have your Bibles this morning, if you turn to the book of Colossians, I want to draw your attention. I don't know where you are in your spiritual condition today. In a crowd this size, we could have some people that don't know you're on your way to heaven. You don't realize what Jesus Christ has done for you, what's available. And maybe you're here today and you've received Christ as Savior. You know you're on your way to heaven. But there are some struggles in your life. If we were to stand you up here and let the people that know you at work and people that know you at home, uh, they would not necessarily want to follow in your footsteps. And so today I want to draw your attention to a message tonight at church, 5.30. We're going to look at a word tonight. How to renew our lives in the image of Christ. Do you see this sign here? Into his image. It's our theme for the year. It's over on the other side. It is that wherever you are in your spiritual life, you would go from someone that doesn't pray a lot, someone that's busy with life, to the point where you begin to take on the image of Christ. So that when people see you, they say, there goes a Christian, a little Christ. That's the role that we're supposed to play in this life. That's why Jesus came, was to give you the opportunity, number one, to be redeemed. Notice, if you would, Colossians chapter 1, one of my favorite passages I memorized many years ago. You'll notice in verse number, uh, in verse number 12, <clears throat> giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet or made us partakers, opportunists, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. The Lord, the Father, made it possible for you and I to be partakers of eternal light, have an inheritance in heaven. Notice verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. That's a place called hell. And hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Your eternal destinies have already been changed. Notice, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. <clears throat> Maybe you're here today and you don't know that you have a home in heaven. <clears throat> Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there he may be also, John 14. So the Lord has done everything in his power, which is he can do anything except one thing. He will not make you receive his son as Savior and payment for his, your sin. He'll not do that. He'll make every opportunity for you to trust him. He's already paid the debt. Notice, if you would, in, in verse, number, uh, verse number 14, in whom we have redemption. We've been, our debt has been paid. We've been redeemed. So if there's been a time in your life when you've come to the Lord Jesus and you said, Lord, I don't deserve to go to heaven. I'm sorry for my sin. Would you forgive me and take your payment that you made on the cross and apply it to my debt? Uh, I want to be saved and come to heaven and live with you. Uh, notice, if you would, the, the text. 
Flip over to Colossians chapter 2, verse number 14. Blotting out the handwriting against us. Everybody in this room, the Bible says that God's got a book. And every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account of the day of judgment. So God's got a book with everything you've ever done in it. It's got to be paid for. Or you have to pay for it. That's the reason Jesus came was to redeem you and I from the place called hell that we deserve because we're sinners. It is an amazing story to me. Uh, soon I'll have been preaching for 50 years, and yet I still can't get over the fact that the Lord Jesus would take my place, die for my sin. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not while I became a preacher. Now uh, David uh, Pittman is uh, trying to be a good guy, so I'll, I'll die for him. No, while I was in my worst condition possible, Jesus paid my debt. And it's up to me to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you've never done that today, you might say, well, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. Uh, I want you to see something today. I want you to see something very, um, you may not have thought about it. How many of you were saved the first time you heard the gospel? Raise your hand. Let me see it. One, two, three, three people. Did you know the Bible said that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to every man? That means Jeanette, once she's promised. Lucho, once he's promised. Christine, Christina, once she's promised. Everybody in this room, you're promised once. Do you realize only three people out of this whole crowd accepted his offer the first time? What are we waiting for? Well, sometimes it's pride. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't want, I want to take care of it myself. You can't. Well, you can. You can pay for it in a place called hell. But the Lord Jesus gives us another opportunity and another opportunity and another opportunity. But there is an end to the opportunities in the sight of God. As it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. Everybody's got an appointed end. And there's a point in time where you don't get another chance. But isn't it amazing that God would grant to all of us a second chance and a third and a fourth? You know why? He's long-suffering not willing that any should perish. But the old devil wants you to put it off and put it off and put it off. Watch this. How many of you, the Holy Spirit convicted your heart, you knew you needed to be saved, but you put it off like me? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Let me see it. Put it up. Put it up. Let me see it. Raise it up good and high. Look at all of us. We don't deserve to be saved. We knew we were lost, and yet we put it off. And I'm sure in heaven, God the Father is saying, Michael, Gabriel, what's wrong with them? Why are they putting it off? What to wait for? Look, look at what I've prepared for them. Why are they delaying? 
I don't think God understands. Paul has said, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace, Job said. So the, the idea is, why do we put it off? Life. We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to make a decision. Commitment is difficult for us. That man on the video that we heard about, I have decided to follow Jesus. He trusted Christ and it changed everything. He'd been redeemed. But he took the next step and said, you know, I want him to be ruler in my life. I want him to be first. Not only do we trust him as Savior, and if you've trusted Christ as Savior, then that's wonderful today. Now the rest of your life, who are you going to live it for? So the idea is, I want to make him the ruler of my life. Notice if you would, Colossians chapter 1, look if you would in verse number 18, the last phrase, it said that in all things, this is Colossians 1.18, the last passage, the last phrase, that in all things he might have the preeminence. I want to be the ruler of your life. I want you to follow me. Most Christians never get to the point to where they're willing to follow the Lord Jesus. All in. Do you realize Jesus is hanging on the cross and he said to his father, he said, Father, I'm, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to die. I want to do it for your sake and I want to do it for the people's sake. Lord, I'll do it. Jesus Christ made the decision just like that man did. Jesus Christ made the decision to die for sinners and we didn't deserve it. He made the Father first in his life. Have you put Jesus Christ first in your life? Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Um, It it is that you and I, uh, we think about him when we get up in the morning. We think about what his plan is for us today. Lord, I want to do your will today. I know i got to go to work, but Lord, uh, I want you to help me this day that I would do what you want me to do. Help me to work in the right spirit. Lord, help me to work in the image of Christ. I want to be like you. I, I want you to be first in my life. I want everybody to know it. You see, that's the Christian life. That's why the Lord saved us, was that we could live for him. And so whenever someone else saw us, they said, I want to be like that. I want to be honest like that. I want to be truthful like that. I want to be good like that. I want to be kind like that. I I, want to be, that must be what Christ is like. That happens when you make him the ruler of your life. He is preeminent. But you'll notice you've you got to follow the right resource. Look, if you would, uh, it, it, take your Bible and turn to uh, chapter 2 and, and verse number 7. He says this, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Most Christians are not rooted in Christ. They're not anchored down so that whenever someone hurts their feelings, they don't give up. So when, look folks, everybody in this room, we're going to do things that are not right. Even after we've trusted Christ as Savior, we're not perfect. 
But when we strive to do what's right and we don't do the right thing, we say, Lord, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? We go to somebody and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? That's what godly Christians do. And, you know, uh, the idea is that we can be clean and we can live holy lives, and the more we walk with Christ, the less time uh, we do the same things over and over again. How many of you have had what's called a besetting sin? It's something that you've done in the past. You do it again. And so there's this thing that comes around and, and it begins to bother you and you, you get victory over it for a while and then all of a sudden uh, you, you do it again. Sometimes you do it back to back. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, you have the wrong thought. Uh, you, you have the wrong spirit. You, you get up in the morning and you got up on the wrong side of the bed. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Get up on the wrong side of the bed. What's wrong, honey? Uh, nothing. Uh, are you okay? Fine. Um, okay, I don't want to be like that. How many of you have seen older people get old and crusty? How many of you know what I mean? Let me see here. Old and crusty. I don't want that to be me. So, Lord, I want to be in your image. You help me. The older I get, the sweeter and the kinder I get. The more we walk with Christ, the more we're to become like him. So we begin to get rooted like an oak tree, and we begin to send our roots down. I want to show you tonight how to do that. Notice, if you would, I want you to see this. We need to be renewed in our life. Notice Colossians chapter 3. Look up verse 10. We're going to study this tonight. By the way, uh, Sunday night and Wednesday night, we study different books of the Bible. Uh, in the morning time is, is more of a textual message. But I want you to notice, if you would, verse 10, and have put on the new man, which is renewed. It's renovated in knowledge and after the image that created him. So we're to renew our life. We're to renovate our life. How many of you watch these shows of renovating uh, houses and buying houses and flipping them. How many of you watch those shows? Okay. Um, how many of you ever seen them go and say, oh, that's a good house. I can make a lot of money with that. And they go and they take it all the way down to the studs and look at it and say, what are they doing? Sometimes we have to be taken all the way down to the studs and sort of start over and build it back to make it something beautiful. So when people come in and the Lord Jesus comes into our life and he says, wow, what a change. The Holy Spirit can help you renew your life into the image of Christ. Read it again. Notice verse 10. And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him. Uh, the, the Greek word here, image, is the word uh, icon. Uh, it's the same thing that you get on your phone and uh, uh, you pull it up and those are icons. You click on them and you see something. Well, people are supposed to look at us and see Jesus. That's the image of Christ. You're supposed to be, I'm supposed to be an icon of Christ. That's in his image. And we renew our lives. We begin to put our roots down so that we tell the truth. So that we rejoice when things are difficult. So that we don't act like other people act when they're hurting. We're just different. But don't you notice the why? Notice, if you would, the result of our life is to be like Christ. We're all supposed to be working toward this end result of being in the image of Christ. Folks, if you're not working to be in the image of Christ, you're wasting your life. 
Because most people never read a Bible, but they'll read you. They'll watch you and see how you react and see how you respond. Um, someone's serving you, and maybe they make a mistake, and, and uh, uh, they pour water on you, or, they, uh, or they, your food doesn't come on time, and you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and what happens to our spirit? Do we, do we lose our spirit? Do we, I want to speak to the manager. Uh, I try to leave a track each time that I am going to get a meal and I'll leave one of those. And there are times whenever my spirit gets in the wrong place. And I can't leave that. So rather than saying, I don't deserve to be treated like this, I'll say, Lord, I'm sorry. Would you help me to have a joyful spirit? Maybe this young man is new. Uh, last week or someplace, a young man was serving and uh, he was trying to do a good job, but, but you know, he'd forget this, he'd forget that, and I'd say, you know, man, uh, I appreciate you serving me. Uh, how long have you been doing this? And he said, you're my first person. And so I said, well, I'll tell you what. I can tell you're trying hard, and I, that's great. I want to give you something. And, and, and so I was able to give him a track, but I had to work on my heart first. Anybody ever had that? Okay, look, at the meal, I'm to have the image of Christ. When my wife fixes something, I'm to have the image of Christ. When I get up out of bed, I'm to have the image of Christ. The end result of every teenager's life is to be like Christ. The end result of everybody in this room, every wife and every husband, your goal, your end result is, I want to be like Christ. And folks, you've got to allow your life to be renewed. Tonight, I want you to come, and I'm going to step by step go through the Scriptures and show you how to renew your life. It, it would take uh, 20, 30 minutes. don't have that time this, this morning. But I want you to understand we're doing an overview of Colossians, a, a group of people that Paul writes to while he's in prison because he loves them. He cares about them. Look, in, if you would, in, in Colossians chapter 2, <coughs> look in verse 1. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you. <clears throat> uh, and for them at Laodicea, for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted. I don't want you to worry about me. I'm in prison, but I'm going to be okay. Being knit together in love unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and the Father. Verse 3, notice, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Do you understand in Christ is everything you and I need. He is a word in the Greek in the Greek text called sufficient. He is everything. Well, Pastor, I, I, I don't have all the finances that I need. Well, your heavenly Father owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and He says, "You have not because you ask not." But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. I'm not saying you're going to be running over with money. I'm just saying the Lord knows the needs of your heart and the needs of your life and says, I don't have any shortage of funds, and I love you, and I'm a good God, and I'll help you. That means we may have to go plant and sow and work, but the Lord says, I will help you, and I'll bless you. But I want you to be in my image, and I'll bless you. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then he says all these things should be added unto you. 
So the idea is you put him first and then you trust him. And he says, I'll take care of everything. Now, I want you to notice, uh, lastly, I, I see the redeem. He redeem us, uh, but he wants to be the ruler of our life. And he, we need him as the resource to grow. It, it, notice what it says, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything that you need is in Jesus Christ. How much time do we spend with him? That's the, that's the subject of the author Paul in prison to the Colossians. Look, all you need is in Christ. Will you trust him and grow? And I would ask all of us today, would you trust him and grow? If you do, when I begin to look for a wife at 16, 17 years old, begin to realize that the Lord called me to the ministry and he'd probably provide a wife. I began to say, Lord, give me the best Christian I can find. You want to know why? Because in order to be the best Christian she could be, and then Lord, help me to be the best Christian I can be so that when you bring us together, we're going to treat each other royally. Why? Because, notice if you would, turn if you're with your Bible and notice Colossians chapter 3, and notice if you would verse 23. I want you to see this verse. Here's the reason you want to be in the image of Christ. You want to, he wants to be your ruler. He is our resource. He's the result of our life in the image of Christ. But here's the reason. I want you to notice this. Verse 23. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You know, Janet and I, when we met, I said, look, let's take a little bit of time and pray about this. So we took a month and fasted and prayed and said, Lord, give us direction. Lord, we want to do your will. And I figured if she didn't call me and she prayed all month that she was serious enough that about the Lord that she wanted to put him first. The reason for everybody in this room to want to be in the image of Christ is because you want to please him. He's the reason. If there's any other reason, well, I want to be a good husband. I did want to be a good husband, but I know if I put the word first and let him be the reason I do everything, I cannot mistreat her for very long. And I also know that when I do something that's wrong, uh, she will forgive me because she can't go very far down the road without being forgiving to me because that's required to please Christ and be in his image. Did you know the Bible says Jesus Christ will forgive you for anything? If you humble yourself and sort I'm sorry. So the greatest marriages on earth are between two Christians that Jesus is the reason. 
Because he's got to treat her right. She's got to treat him right. And it brings us close to together as you begin to read God's Word and study God's Word in the mornings. And you get up and I want to have a great day and I want to be good to you and I want to be good to you. It's heaven. Brothers and sisters, if you you can't choose your brother, you can't choose your sister, but you can pray for them to let Jesus Christ be the reason why they're going to do today. The reason why they're going to go to school tomorrow. The reason why they're going to get up. Look, everybody in this room has got to have a reason to get up. Or you're going to be miserable in time. <clears throat> Very quickly. The reason is Jesus Christ. I want you to notice, if you would, uh, uh, notice in verse number 23, he says this, and whatsoever you do. He knows everybody's not going to be a preacher. He knows everybody's not going to be a missionary or an evangelist. So he says that whatsoever you do, if you work for the government, uh, do it heartily. Notice this, as to the Lord. If you're, if you're a husband or if you're a wife, do it heartily as unto the Lord. <clears throat> Treat them as unto the Lord. Treat her like she's the king's daughter. Treat him like he's the king's son. You see, it would change everything for all of us if we just put Jesus first in our lives. You'll never be truly happy as a child of God unless whatsoever you do, you do it unto the Lord. Notice, if you would, verse number 23, as to the Lord and not unto men. Because the Lord is perfect. When you have a perfect goal and you fall short, you're real close. If you have an imperfect goal, my goodness, you're all over the place. Jesus Christ is our image that we follow. You know, in the early days, Paul and Silas they had just gotten whipped because they were proclaiming the gospel early days in Philippi. So they were thrown into prison. And about midnight, they just got to talking about the privilege it was to suffer for Jesus Christ. Their blacks were beaten and bloodied. They were in stocks. And they were in the dungeon, the deepest part of the prison. And, and uh, uh, they began to sing. Now listen very carefully. They began to sing. Before Jesus went to the cross, he went into the garden and prayed. But they began to sing and rejoice because they were God's child and they got a chance to, to serve him even though it cost them something. Their backs were bloodied. And they began to sing, oh, how I love Jesus. I mean, they began to sing. And the jailer woke up and said, what is going on here? And all the people in the prison heard them singing. And so then God says, okay, you've gotten their attention, fellas. Thank you for being in my image. And he sends an earthquake and all the doors of the jail open up. And the chief prison guard comes out, sees the doors open, grabs his sword and starts to fall on it. Because he knows what happens when you lose a prisoner. It's your life. And it's disgrace in front of everybody for you and your family. So it's just quicker and easier just to take your own life. He's starting to fall on his sword. And, and Paul says, stop, we're all here. He comes running over and he falls down in front of him. He says, what must I do to be saved? That is what our lives should portray. That when somebody is scared for, 
their life. They're afraid for everything. They're about ready to lose everything. They come to us and say, how can I be like you? What do you have? I was growing up. And I was in a good church. And there was a deacon there. And his son was my best friend. And we all loved it. Because he was a holy man. 70-something years old. Kind of calm. Sweet. Gray-haired. Wife, very godly. His son, my best friend, was a missionary in Europe for 20 years. Just passed away this year. I loved it when our pastor said, Brother Cumbus, would you close the service? Oh, I love that. Everybody bowed their head. And the church could sense the presence of the Lord. You could see people. And he would just start to pray. And it was like the Lord came. And he was just dismissing the service. Lord, Father, it was like God was there. And many a time I've said, Lord, I want to be able to pray like Brother Cumbus can pray. That example, that image is in my mind for 50 plus years of hearing a man pray. And I want to see some young people to say, Lord, I want to pray like you prayed in the garden. I want you to be my image. Where are the great prayer warriors? Do you understand that you could be in prison and be a great prayer warrior? I'll close with this. Turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. And notice with me, if you would, in verse number 12. Epaphras, notice, who is one of you, a servant of Christ. We think he was the pastor of this church and he's in prison. Notice, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in what? In prayers. That ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. I want you to know something this morning. That'd be my dream for you. This is a church family. Maybe you're a guest. But I've never met anybody that it wasn't my dream for them to be redeemed, to let Christ rule their lives, to be renewed into the image of Christ because they loved him. They wanted to please him. It was their reason. You know, today, I dream about the people in this room standing before God and being in his image. Perfect. Not sinless. Confessed. Clean. And complete. There's nothing in your life that you say, I know I have a weakness there, but it's okay. All of you, I just want you to hear two words. Well done. I'm proud of you. From the ushers to the orchestra members to the choir members.
to Brother Brandon, Brother Scott, who I pray for every day, to the school teachers, to you in this room. I want you to be perfect and complete in Christ so that when you're at work, you shine. And people say to you, what do I do to be like you? Today, are you working to have the end result of being in the image of Christ? If not, start now. Start today. Let's bow our heads forward to prayer this morning. I'm going to ask the pianist to come and play a verse of invitation hymn. Maybe you're a father today. You've not been the father that you expected yourself to be or the mother you expected yourself to be or the employee that you expect yourself to be. You need to come to this altar and say, Lord Jesus, I, I, I want to be perfect and complete. Lord, I want to be like you. Lord, I want you to to be honored with me when I see it. Remember, it said that when you receive your reward, you'll hear the words, well done. We're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to stand to sing. Maybe you need to come and join our church. You'd like to be a part of this church family. I'd love to have you. Our church family would love to have you. Maybe you're here today and you need to be saved. You need to trust Christ as Savior. If you die today, you don't know you're going to heaven. Would you come? Let me help you. One of my greatest joys would be to see you trust Christ as Savior. And I don't care what your name is in this room. I delight to see you trust Christ. And maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've trusted Christ. Uh, but I just need to talk to the Lord a little bit this morning. Uh, I, I'm not what I ought to be. I want to encourage you to come to this altar. Or maybe you're like Epaphras. You've got the burden for someone in your family. Uh, you want them to trust Christ. Or you want them to grow and to be rooted in Christ. You come and just kneel at this altar and say, Lord, like, like Epaphras did for the Colossians, uh, people of Colossae, would you come and pray for those in prayer? No one can stop you from praying. Nobody on the face of the earth can stop us from praying. The mightiest Christians on earth are those that pray. Father, speak to hearts today. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, if you would, please. As Brother Scott leads us in a verse of invitation to him. If you need to come this morning, this verse is for you. You come right ahead. That's right. You come right ahead. I have decided to follow Jesus. Whatever the need is this morning, like to be a part. to follow Jesus. I have decided Behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Everybody would be with their heads bowed, nice closed. Some are still praying.